0: hi Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good, good morning and welcome to this special edition of Tech Talk, which is coming to you live from unbelievably chilly Barcelona. Apparently, there's been a Siberian front or Arctic front, or I have no idea what exactly happened on the weather side. This not being the weather show rather this being the tech show. But uh, it has been raining and snowing and freezing here in Barcelona. But that hasn't stopped all the hot technology from uh, breaking loose. And there has been unbelievable uh, launches and products. And I've been super fortunate enough to be able to play with all these gizmos and gadgets and spend a lot of time just getting to grips with what's coming with mobile over the next couple of years and what is absolutely fascinating is that last year at world mobile and throughout the year we've been talking about 5G and what's happening with 5G and what does 5G mean and everything was focused around 5G coming for the you know the 2022 olympics or and the 2020 world cup and you know generally these sort of huge events tend to focus technology on the next big thing but what is absolutely clear at world mobile 2018 is that from uh, 2017 to 2018 5G has moved from a technology that was coming in the future something that we'll deal with in a couple of years to something that is available right here Right now, in Barcelona and many places around the world, they uh, men, I mentioned last week at the the Winter Olympics in Korea, they were using a five G network to warn people about uh, wild boars that may so may interfere with people that um, you know wander off the beaten track into some of the more sort of rural areas surrounding the Olympic villages, etc. Well, it's gone way beyond that. I actually held in my hands, saw for myself a, a sort of concept production product. It's not really ready for the mainstream, but Qualcomm have finally launched, which they always do, a sort of trial product of what a smartphone using their new X50 chip. It sounds super, um, super you know, advanced. Their new X50 5G chip in a handset that is not a lot bigger than a current 6-inch handset right now, and that will run up to 2 gigabits per second, which is round about 20 times faster than the fastest fiber connection right now. Well, twice as fast as some, but very few could have got 1 gig fiber. But a 100 meg fiber up to 2 gig is round about 20 times faster. But it wasn't all about speed, and I think that was very clear. So all the big players, Ericsson, Uh, Huawei, certainly Huawei, they launched and won prizes for a ton of new broadband and 5G implementations. Um, Along with Nokia networks, these guys are all launching commercial, ready-for-action 5G networks. And Sprint in the USA announced that I think 200 cities will have 5G in 2018. Not that anybody can do anything with it right now. But they did also announce that what they're going to be using 5G for is not for handsets per se right now. But what they're going to do is launch it with a little, you know, three, well, they call them 3G um, MiFis. But essentially a 5G version of a standalone MiFi type device. So it's a fixed little gadget which allows you to connect to lots of people via Wi-Fi to it. And that also leads to the next big thing that I've been seeing all over um You know, World Mobile, again, uh, pushed by Qualcomm on uh, the new Wi-Fi standard, which is called AX. Right now, most people are still using 802G or 802N, which is just the standard Wi-Fi. And most people don't even know what Wi-Fi they use as long as it connects and and you have Wi-Fi. But but the next generation of Wi-Fi is ready to roll. Uh, Again, saw a couple of sort of trial implementations of it. It's called AX. And essentially, what they have done with Wi-Fi to make it far more reliable, because the good old days where you had couple, two, three, four, five devices in your home connected to the Wi-Fi network are long gone. I mean, it is so easy to have 10, 20, 30, in my case, up to 50 devices connected to your Wi-Fi at any point in time. And Wi-Fi was not really well designed for that. It tends to have all sorts of problems with um, too many connections, too many Wi-Fi networks all interfering with each other, bands overlapping, and you just get a generally poor experience. Like I have at this particular hotel where I'm staying, um, I'm coming to you courtesy of no roaming data because the Wi-Fi here is is really flaky. One minute you've got, next minute you don't have. Sometimes it shows you connected, but there's no no connection. I'm sure this is something that everybody can absolutely relate to. But the good news is there is a solution and it's not on the horizon. We expect to see the chipsets out in the market second quarter of 2018, which is starting from now, so April, May, June. And commercial product that you can actually go out, buy, plug into your your, your Fiber, plug into your ADSL, plug into whatever, should be out by the sec- the last quarter, third third to fourth quarter of 2018, according to all the experts here. And that means you talk to the guys from Netgear, you talk to the guys from Fritzbox, who are some of my um, favorite routers at the moment, they all say that they will have commercial product available for purchase at moderate pricing, nothing too much more expensive than you currently see. And you should see those towards the end of this year. Now, the benefit of AX is very simple. It is using LTE technology. So there's scheduling and timing. So if you're trying to send some information somewhere and there's a conflict or there's a some other network that's sending or another device on your network that's sending, the router itself will intelligently schedule that stuff. In the background, you won't even notice what's going on. And like a smartphone, you will get that information through. And again, when you're receiving and transmitting at the same time, certainly high power streams of video and, and someone's trying to make a voice call or something like that the, the new AX technology is smart enough to schedule it so that you don't even notice that something's happened but it all goes through and all works smoothly. Apart from the fact that we're talking about uh, Wi-Fi speeds up to 2 gigabits per second. Now again some routers can do that others can't but very few people have got 2 gigabit uh, internet connections. I mean we're all happy with 10 megabits up to now, and 100 megabits, it feels like the future has arrived. But what it does do, it offers massive capacity. Like 5G, it offers massive capacity so that if you've got two or three TVs in the house, all streaming on Wi-Fi, all streaming in 4K, HDR, high bit rate video, and you're trying to do some surfing, watching some YouTube videos again in high definition 4K, whatever it is, all of those things will happen simultaneously, seamlessly, and absolutely with no buffering and no problems. And you won't have all this flaky Wi-Fi. So I'm I'm super excited to try all that very soon, and uh, hopefully we'll see that. That has all been launched here at World Mobile, along with so much more five G technology and the types of business cases, the types of applications, the types of Things that we're going to use 5G for um, are certainly starting to become a lot clearer. We're moving into a world of video. We're moving into the world of high definition, absolutely everything. So those little sort of that you had that gave blurry images of people by your front door or blurry images of, of people walking down the driveway outside, those days are long gone. Absolutely crystal clear up to 4K video streaming into your home going to servers around the world doing you know being stored being used for all sorts of different purposes who knows what it is but the 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 real truth is that we're moving to a, a world where absolutely everything is in crystal clear ultra high definition and that will stream to your phone to your tablet to your computer to your big screen TV wherever you are in the world actually The biggest change that we're going to see is that you're no longer going to be tethered to a screen at any point in time. And it's all going to work seamlessly. You can watch something on your TV, walk out of the house, sit in a bus, sit on a train, sit on a plane um, and continue watching that program that you left off on your big screen. And you won't be giving up any quality. So we'll be back right after this quick break for our uh, our sponsors. And I've got some more exciting news about handsets and gizmos and gadgets from World Mobile Congress. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose 11 to 12 p.m. Only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And I hope I haven't lost your interest with all this talk about um, 802 8X Wi-Fi and 5G all this techno gabble. But the real truth is that we are seeing the future, and the future is evolving right here at World Mobile Congress in uh, Barcelona. And it is essentially a mobile show where all the operators, Vodacom, MTN, C, all the retailers are here, the guys who sell all the gadgets. They're all looking for the next big thing. They're all looking to see where they need to go, what they need to do. And I sat in a very interesting um, briefing journalist and analyst briefing at uh, Ericsson, and their head of uh, EMEA, which is really interesting. Unfortunately, Ericsson, over the last year, have actually shut down their South African operation, um, moved all of those people around the world, moved their operation to Dubai, and now it's headed up um, by Dubai, out of Dubai, and Africa and the Middle East are clumped together for one very simple reason. Huawei have been unbelievably successful uh, along with a smaller Chinese company called ZTE in in rolling out technology in Africa. And the Huawei technology out of China is certainly every bit um, as cutting edge as anything else on the market. And they've certainly done a, a huge job at rolling out networks across Africa to the detriment of Ericsson. But that's a market thing and they'll have to do their own thing to do that. But what was very interesting was what they said about what is going on in Africa. Africa right now has round about 700 million mobile connections. Unfortunately, the average of those, 90, well, probably 90% of those are still uh, on 2G and 3G connections with a huge amount still on 2G. With 4G only being uh, mainly deployed in urban centers around Africa, so the big cities like Nairobi um, and South Africa, I'll, I'll leave out of this equation. What it means is that there's a smartphone penetration under 20%, somewhere between 17 and 20% across Africa. And you'll hear why this is really relevant in a minute. So smartphones um, are, are big and growing, but not nearly at the pace that they've, penetrated much of the western world we're talking about 70 80 percent population with smart devices um, and almost no dumb devices or semi-smart devices like feature phones are pretty much active anywhere outside of the the sort of third world type environment so deep rural china um, some parts of south america and africa which are not nearly as developed as the rest of the world so there is just huge growth potential for smartphones in Africa. But what it has translated into is that there is very little appetite for five G. The the Middle East month well this yeah, we're in March. So <laughs> this month they want those five G networks. They want to be seen to be cutting edge. There are no five G handsets available right now. But the benefit of five G is that it's backwards compatible, so any 4G handset will operate just fine on it. Um, And they want them, and they want them for their their events. They want them for just the kudos of saying we have the first 5G networks in the world and is really pushing extremely hard. Contrast that with Africa, where uh, pretty much most sub-Saharan Africa are just not talking about 5G at all. They're trying to get... In fact, 2G networks are growing. A small company out of Canada called Nuran is doing extremely good business, selling brand new $10,000 dollars 2 g base stations, which offers the blisteringly fast edge connection at 384 kilobits. But then again, 384 kilobits per second, which is back in the day in the 90s when you had your edge phone, uh, still better than nothing. So you can send an SMS, you can make a phone call, you can browse the internet in a very non-graphical way on a on a two G type edge connection, and for for many parts of Africa that's revelatory. Now South Africa is very different. Having spoken to the guys at uh, MTN, having missed unfortunately a trial of five G by MTN in early January, um, knowing Vodacom are busy trialing five G at their their head office in Midrand as we speak. So 5G will come to South Africa, maybe not as this year, but certainly within the next 18 months to two years, we're going to see 5G in Africa, in South Africa. But Africa is lagging hugely, hugely behind. And it, it, it's really unfortunate. I think it's just the economics. There's been consolidation. There's a lot of talk about consolidation of networks in, in Africa, Zane, MTN. The big guys tend to be Heating up the smaller guys, and we are seeing a a consolidation rather than an expansion of networks in South Africa, even though coverage is getting better and better. And I mean, in South Africa, we're talking somewhere between 95 and 97 percent 3G coverage across the country. We're talking between 70 and 80 percent coverage of LTE in South Africa. So, again, South Africa is very, very different in many respects to. rest of Africa. We certainly have very, very advanced mobile networks. And I know we're always screaming about data must fall and the prices must come down. The good news, as I discussed last week, is that we certainly are seeing a new dawn with regard to the government. We have another new minister of telecommunications. And we have been assured that Spectrum, the stuff that all the radio waves uh, go out on, uh, will be allocated, will be allocated Pretty quickly, and the mobile networks which need it to enhance their 4G rollouts—never mind their 5G rollouts—are um, going to be getting that spectrum in a manner and in a way that allows them to roll out faster and better and cheaper. Most important, cheaper networks over the next couple of uh, months, hopefully, and certainly within the next year. So, it's not all bad news, and we are certainly are seeing. Uh, massive movement with regard to spectrum across the world. I mean, there's even a trial in the United States, which, interestingly, I read Vodacom on Vodafone uh, through the UK are trialing in Africa, which works on unlicensed spectrum using LTE base stations that are incredibly small, incredibly cheap, and allow up to a 10-kilometer radius and one and a half thousand people connect, which is great for small rural areas with 2G and LTE, interestingly enough, no 3G. Well, mentioned that many times before. 3G is the one technology that is going to die. 2G? definitely not going to die, certainly not in Africa. And LTE definitely is a technology that's cheaper, easier to deploy, uh, much more efficient at sending high-speed data. Never mind 5G, but just standard LTE, 4G. So there are these little base stations that are running in unlicensed and licensed uh, bands that are are being deployed as a trial throughout uh, places in Africa and in South Africa, just seeing how we can expand network reach and the sheer ability of getting more connectivity to more people using more devices across most of Africa. And this leads... Uh, avoid talking about Samsung's new S9 and their fabulous new camera. We'll talk about that shortly. But the fun phone of Mobile World Congress was definitely the new banana phone from Nokia. Now, I don't know how many of you remember the curve Nokia 8110 from, geez, it sounds like a long time ago. But I think it was around about 12 years ago. Back in the mid-2000s, Nokia launched their curved phone, the 8110, and it was such a revelation at the time. Nothing like that had ever been done before. It had a sliding curve at the bottom. It was curved. It became famously known as the banana phone. Well, the good news is uh, Nokia have relaunched the 8110 in in a, in a bright yellow, obviously, bright yellow phone, um, and in black, if you cannot be seen running around with a bright yellow phone. And this is what's really interesting about that phone. It is not a smartphone per se. It is actually a um, feature phone with a couple of smartphone features. So it's running a a version. It's not a version of Android. It's actually a version of um, Firefox operating system, which tried to make a go of it and didn't. It's been brought back in another guise. But the benefit of this semi-smart platform is that a lot of Google services, so Google uh, Mail, Google Search, Google Messenger, a couple of other Google services now run on this rather basic phone. And uh, it does come with 4G as well. So it'll run on 3G, it'll run on 2G, and also offer 4G connectivity all for… So it definitely is not the cheapest phone on the market, but certainly with 28 days battery life, with a very simple screen, super rugged Nokia type um, build quality, this just is another super cool phone. They launched the 3110 at World Mobile last year, and it's been a, a global success, a phone with 30 days battery life, simple, send an SMS, make a phone call. Very basic web browsing. But this takes it to the next level. Tried it. The web browsing, certainly on 4G, was pretty effective. Um, The Google services work exactly as advertised. Uh, It was running a little bit of beta software. And there is a bit of an app store, so you can download um, a whole lot of other apps. And there will be a, uh, a Facebook app. Unfortunately, at this stage, which seems like a huge omission, there won't be a WhatsApp uh, version for it. Who knows that depending on the success, maybe WhatsApp will launch one. But it's just a great, fun, easy to use, simple device that gives you some of the benefits. You can get email, you can browse the web pretty effectively. And it has one other trick up its sleeve. You can actually share your 4G connection with up to five other devices. So as a simple phone with great battery life, you can take it home, you can set up a a, a mobile hotspot, and you can actually share it with other devices like your laptop. So I would imagine in places like South Africa where where really people are not that into the Internet on their mobile phone um, but want Internet in their home, certainly in more rural areas, it will definitely allow you to share the 3G, 4G connection that you have uh, with other devices like laptops, tablets within the home. And it just is a fun device. It's not the most cutting edge. In fact, it's got a terrible two-megapixel camera. But it takes photos. It makes phone calls. It sends SMSs. It does everything that you actually need to do on a device with 30-day battery life. It also has an FM radio, so you can listen to the radio on it. They've really done or rather refreshed the 8110 banana phone in quite a, a fabulous way. And it, it it was absolutely, once again, a retro hit of the show here in Barcelona. But along with all of that, Nokia, which they were quite keen to report, um, only relaunched last year at World Mobile um, as part of HMD, which is a bit of a finished startup. All the phones are made in China, like most phones today. But they certainly have retained the DNA. And at a fabulous launch in a church here old church. It's now more of an expo center, part of the Museum of Bon Art in Barcelona. They revealed five, including the uh, some real um, clever technology and the Go edition of Android Oreo, which is the latest version of Android, which uses very little memory. It has the good old Express On changeable covers. I don't know if you ever remember that, but I do remember you could pop off the yellow color put on a, a a red match your phone to your outfit using the express on covers, and it will sell at around about eight hundred to nine hundred thousand nine hundred thousand nine hundred rand um, in South Africa. It will be out early may and it it just is a really good entry level uh, phone hopefully we'll see it cheaper than that. It just depends on the pricing. Uh, using a really good processor. I was very impressed with the performance. It runs everything that you want on uh, Android, and it's just a great quality uh, phone for the price. The next one they announced was the Nokia 6. Well, the Nokia 6 was again launched actually prior in China, prior to the global launch last year, and was known to be a solid aluminum, well-built phone. Well, they've upgraded it. And interestingly, in my um, interview with with uh, their their MD, they you know he said that what Nokia are going to do is keep the naming convention simple. So there'll always be a series six, there'll always be a series seven, there'll always be a series eight and nine. and every year, if you want, you can upgrade your six to the new six. and that's exactly what they've done. They've upgraded the processor, they've increased the the RAM, they've made it 60% faster. It's certainly better built than last year's model, with you know some really interesting take on, on how things are put together. And that's one of the things that and that Nokia have done. Um, they're making very high quality aluminium based solid phones with all the latest technology. At pricing that's around about 50% of the the cutting edge phones out there. And the few that I've played with really have shown to be excellent quality phones along with really very, very, very good performance. So the new Nokia 6 with a bigger battery, better camera, and um, really nice quality at a, at a very affordable price is, is going to come again. All of these are going to be available in May. They also refreshed the Nokia 7 and brought out a Plus Edition, which is a 6-inch screen, uh, massive battery, really fast chipset, the Snapdragon 660, um, with a 13-megapixel primary camera and a 12-megapixel dual-wide-angle camera on the back with some really clever um, camera software, which is one of the few things that uh, Nokia actually add to Android. They don't use the standard Android camera. And it really works extremely, extremely well. And a dual two-tone aluminum finish, really very attractive, better quality screen, a lovely, lovely phone, which I think, again, is going to be very reasonably priced and certainly a great competitor in that space. They also announced their stab at the high end. They called it the Nokia 8 Sirocco and has pretty much, very similar to the Nokia 8 of, of last year, but what they've done now is they've put it into a stainless steel frame a curved edge-to-edge 5.5-inch display. So a little bit Samsung-y, Samsung-y in in the way that it looks because it's got a, a sort of edge-to-edge POLED screen which takes the screen right up there to some of the best that I've seen with a curved edge down to 2 millimeters on the edge and a little bit of a lip so it doesn't get too slippery in your hand. Uh, again, with a dual-camera setup and it's... In, in in conjunction with Zeiss, so a really good camera. Didn't get a lot of time to spend to be able to really explore what it does. So which is the best of twenty seventeen? Not the eight four five, like some of their competitors um, in at, at at World Mobile. But certainly, I think the pricing is going to be high, somewhere in the in the eleven to twelve thousand rand range. But This is without question a flagship phone. Outstanding screen, outstanding camera, build quality that's as good as, if not better than some of the other products on the market in that sort of price category. And again, the Nokia 8 Sirocco will be launched in South Africa sometime in May. And I think it should be very, very interesting. It's waterproof. It's uh, life-proof. It's just everything that you need in a flagship phone. And and, And I think Nokia are cautiously trying to approach the smartphone environment saying, look, we've got a great portfolio of mid-range, well-priced, exceptionally well-built phones. But here's something that shows that we can do high-end. And um, this looks like a really good stab at the high-end in, in, in an admittedly very competitive space where high-end phones tend to you know, have the, the latest absolute cutting edge in technology. And moving on to that, We have to report that I was fortunate enough to be at the Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event. And as per usual, Samsung really know how to produce an amazing event. And with 5,000 of my friends and the media from all over the world, we sat in this massive hall at the Firo Duke, which is the other, the older Expo Center, which got too small for Mobile World Congress a couple of years back. And we were introduced to the latest version of the Samsung Galaxy flagship phone, and that is the new S9 and the S9 Plus. And significant uh, phones there are indeed. I must um, hand it to Samsung; they certainly do know how to make a top-end phone. Now, the S8 was one of the first 18 by 9, edgeless, uh, borderless. Phones from last year which really in many ways set the tone across the entire market pretty much even at the low end you see phones with very very small bezels with an 18 by 9 sort of screen aspect ratio in other words it's, it's a little bit thinner and a little bit taller than we all got used to with a 16 by 9 uh, screen format and To uh, Samsung, although it has been copied by a number of people, it's what they call their borderless screen. In other words, the screen runs over the edge, and it's got a very smooth, round uh, functionality. And anyone who's seen a Galaxy S8 or S8 Plus, or even the Note 8 from 2017, will instantly recognise the S9 and S9 Plus. But what Samsung have done, they've kept the basic look and feel of the phone pretty much identical there's in fact if you put the s8 and the s9 side by side on the desk and you have a quick glance it's going to be very hard face up to see what's changed it's marginally bigger both the s9 and s9 plus by half a millimeter something that you're not going to see terribly much in but what it does um do and where they put enormous focus is on the camera and the software um and the software sort of implementation that goes with it. So from the outside, the S9 and the S9 Plus have a very similar infinity uh, display to to the previous year. They've made it a bit brighter, a little bit, not really sharper, but they've certainly made it a little brighter and a little bit. It just looks a little bit more vivid to my eye. But on the rear, they've made a huge change. Everybody said, brilliant phone outstanding design one major problem as far as uh, everyone was concerned the fingerprint reader was on the right of the main camera which is really daft because every two minutes what would happen is you would tend to put your fingerprint your finger on the camera lens because that was dead center in the back and the camera lens would um, get all dirty and mucky instead of opening the phone with your fingerprint so what they've done is they've moved the fingerprint sensor just below the, ca- the uh, camera, in the center, and slightly lower on the back of the phone. And certainly in the case of the S9 Plus, much easier to use, and it seems a lot faster. What they've also done is they've enhanced the facial recognition features of the phone so you can see a lot better in terms of, um, you know, when you pick the phone up and you unlock it, it's much quicker than it was before, and you don't have to open your eyes wide to let it scan your retina, which is a a great positive. And in many ways, they've brought it a lot closer to the the facial recognition technology of the iPhone. I don't believe it's quite as good, but it's certainly a lot better than it was last year. And for most people, they would hardly actually notice the difference. But the big focus of the S9 launch was definitely uh, all about the camera. They've introduced a brand new camera to the phone, the S8 already had one of the best cameras on the market, um, and the S8 Plus, which had the same camera, didn't have the dual camera setup of the S8, of the and the S8 Plus has a dual camera setup, which takes it even further. But the basic camera on the S9 is a huge improvement. What they've done is they've made it a dual variable aperture camera. And what that means, very simply, is like the human eye. When things are very dark, Your iris opens up um, to allow much more light in. And when it gets very bright, it shrinks down to cut the amount of light so you don't get flooded or overexposed with the amount of light. And Samsung have done exactly that in their new phone. The new s nine has a camera that opens to an aperture of 1.5, which is one of the biggest on a smartphone anywhere at the moment. The closest competitor was the V30 with a 1.6 aperture aperture. so low-light noise, low-light ability is unbelievable. Tried it in the hall. It really is pretty impressive how well it works in low-light. And when you turn it to bright light, instantly the, um, the camera shutter goes to about a 2.4 um, aperture, which stops overexposure. And just generally, this looks like, from what I could see, an unbelievable camera And on the S9 Plus, they've added a dual telephoto lens, which allows you to do all sorts of interesting stuff and really takes the camera to the next level. But they did not stop there. They actually got more interesting. Um, They've thrown in some incredible functions. Obviously, the S9 comes with the latest version of Android, Android Oreo. And for all you Samsung fans out there, I have been assured by Samsung that the Oreo rollout for the S8 series is Back on track, they had some hiccups, uh, bricking a couple of phones, not working terribly well. They seem to have fixed that. And now your SAP Africa should start getting the new um, Oreo uh, version 8 software from uh, Android. Not that I notice much difference. It's a bit smoother. There's better battery life um, management Uh, overall the the interface, it used to be called TouchWiz, I forget the name that Samsung are using now, but the interface has been cleaned up, it's a little bit smoother, the, the icons are a little bit slicker, overall very fast, using the latest 845 processor in America, or their own Exynos version of that, very similar processor um, for South Africa, I think we are getting the Exynos version, uh, which actually on paper seems a little bit faster than the the Qualcomm eight four five, but either way, this is an incredibly fast processor. Now, what it does do one of the coolest little features was it allows you to use the front camera to take a picture of yourself and immediately create an animated emoji with all sorts of you know interesting backgrounds. It does that for you automatically? It was great fun. Everybody was doing it, and then you can faces and record it and send it via WhatsApp and send it via um, Facebook. It was just a really cool technology which allows people to, you know, I think express themselves a little bit better. Uh, It's one thing to animate a a, a pig or another type of emoji, but this was actually your own face that was being animated. So overall, I think a really solid launch. My own personal feeling is that if you have an S8, this is a, a significant upgrade on the S8, but it may be worth waiting a generation and going for the next S version, maybe it'll be called the S10, maybe not. Who knows with Samsung? But if you are on an S7 or an S6, this is just an absolute must upgrade. It's an incredibly good phone, beautifully, beautifully built. The screen is brighter than the previous S8. It's slightly, it, it appears a little sharper. They've certainly refined the screen and hopefully when I get back to South Africa, I'll get one to play with on an extended basis and be able to report exactly what it does, what it doesn't do, how good it is. But on first glance, this is without question one of the finest Android phones on the market. It is super slick. It is all the technology you could ever imagine. They seem to have integrated a lot of functions in a smoother, more you know, coherent fashion. So Samsung have done an exceptional job at bringing their flagship right up to date and pushing it out there and keeping it pretty much cutting edge. And uh, very impressive across the board. So if you're waiting, you don't have to wait long. The pre-orders are up pretty much across South Africa, unfortunately. The pricing is quite high. It's around about uh, 15,000 Rand for the S9 and 18,000 Rand for the S9, um, S9 Plus sorts of interesting things like dex pads which allows you to use your phone as a computer plug it into a normal screen um, wireless charging standard with all the s9 series waterproof standard with the s9 series so have a look out there so there's some actually really good deals if you're looking for an upgrade or you do an upgrade with all the accessories you could hope for um, and in fact i think the samsung wireless charge is one of the best on the market it looks slick it uh, allows high-speed charging, which is quite important, and will accept phones from other manufacturers. I won't mention that. Samsung, probably not too happy, but uh, that's the way standards work. Now, moving on to the next, uh, I can see time flies. We're going to have to take a quick break for um, our sponsors, and then I'll be back with the next big launch of the show from Sony. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, hi there and welcome back. Uh, and just before I get on to the launch of the new Sony phones uh, at Mobile World Congress, there was one other feature I clean forgot to mention, which just so many things on the Samsung S series. They've actually brought something that Sony brought to uh, smartphones last year is super high speed slow motion at 960 frames per second. So all that arty stuff where you see a drop of water slowly split and, and shatter on screen into a whole interesting uh, spray of water can be done on your smartphone and Samsung implemented in quite a slick way. You can take a picture of anything and if it notices that there's some form of, of fast motion that it can slow down it will slow it down automatically in the background to at 960 frames per second and you can simply take that video clip and slow it down and show people. It has two things that um, you've got to remember which they didn't talk about. One, it'll only do it for six seconds because of the sheer amount of processing and data available um, and it runs it at slightly lower resolution, 720p, so it's not quite the same quality even though you've probably not notice it on your, your cell phone screen as high-definition slow motion but it was certainly unbelievably impressive it worked extremely well and the way they've integrated into the whole camera function is pretty slick and super smart so moving on to uh, probably my most interesting and actually the most um in some ways i think different devices on the market sony have always had a great following in south africa and um for many many years, they were seen as the high quality product that everyone aspired to. Unfortunately, Sony in South Africa have essentially scaled their business back. You can't buy Sony TVs, you can't buy Sony audio, Sony accessories, headphones, etc. Only available really limited quantities, which is unfortunate. Um, but they've they've remained true to their mobile business, and they've got a great following, and they've done, I think reasonably well within the South African context um, over the last few years in South Africa. Well, they've launched at at Mobile World their latest uh, generation of smart devices, and that is the XZ2 and the XZ2 Mini. Now, Sony have always done that. I'd just like to mention that. They believe that there's certainly a market for people who want some smaller uh, devices with the highest spec which is, I think, quite a smart, um, which is actually quite a smart idea. So the XZ2 Compact and the XZ2 essentially share all the technology specs of each other. The latest Snapdragon 845 processor, an unbelievably high-quality 4K HDR-ability screen, um, along with the camera sensors, which are certainly some of the best in the market. In fact, a 19-megapixel camera. And Sony do supply the camera sensors to most other phone manufacturers, including Huawei, including uh, used to be Samsung. In fact, some of the Samsung cameras are Sony sensors, um, along with uh, Apple. They've, often, they've been supplying them with camera sensors for years. So Sony certainly do know how to make a great camera. And this particular camera on the XZ2 and the XZ2 Compact um, is one of the finest that I've seen And, uh, as I said, they introduced ultra-slow motion at 960 frames per second last year at Mobile World Congress. Well, the good news is they've actually enhanced that functionality, and you can now shoot um, 960 frame ultra-slow motion in full HD. There's one little catch to that. In doing so, in order to keep the memory and the processing within bounds, you can only do it for three seconds, not six seconds like full, like uh, uh, the, the standard 720p HD, which is still available, so you can either have six seconds of 720p ultra slow motion or three seconds of full HD uh, ultra slow motion. Both are really very, very interesting to play with. I'm not sure how useful this ultra slow motion is, unless you're a videographer and you want to do some interesting stuff for your YouTube videos, but it's super cool to play with. And the effects are pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. But back to the XZ2 launch. Um, The XZ2 um, has a 5.7-inch screen. And for the first time, what Sony have done is they've moved away from those big, chunky square phones into a much more organic, round phone. In fact, in many ways, the phone is pretty indistinguishable from all the other phones on the market. There's nothing... Particularly stand outish about the look and feel of the new Sony's. Other than they're smooth, they're round, round backs, uh, full full screen type fronts. Very, very, very nice quality screens. They're HD Plus displays, which will play HDR. They use their X Reality technology from the Bravia, um, the Bravia um, TVs to really make a staggeringly good phone. But one of the interesting things that they've done, and I asked them really, <laughs> have they done some research? Does it make a lot of sense uh, for them to do it? And they said, absolutely, it does. They have brought something which they believe um, is really important because they believe that a lot of people are consuming more and more media, television, et cetera, on their phones. So they have brought something which allows the phone to vibrate uh, in your hand with games and with music. I found it worked really well with games, not so much uh, with music, but they brought that to their phone as well. And I can see, unfortunately, we're running out of time, so I'm going to wrap it up really quickly. But the new uh, Sony phones come with Gorilla Glass 5, runs a a really clean version of Android. I must say it works extremely well. Um, And their ability to manipulate their camera, their their app is really excellent. There's high-quality video, And from what I've been told, those phones will be on on sale in South Africa at competitive prices. Again, they weren't ready to release that yet, but certainly will be in the range, probably slightly cheaper than some of the other flagship phones. But certainly these are flagship devices. The latest processors, tons of memory, one of the finest screens on the market, one of the finest cameras on the market, all wrapped up with some clever, interesting uh, technology like ultra slow mo vibrations in your hand with regard to um, <laughs> how, how you, you play music, how you play games. But overall, the little bit of time I had with them, the cameras are excellent. They've got some new technology with regard to vibration and haptics that really does seem to work quite well, sometimes a bit disturbing. Other times it was really adding value, with, certainly with gaming, because it was fairly directional. I was very, very, very impressed um, with the overall feel, look, and and um, technology in the new Sony product. And they say they are fully committed to South Africa as their service and support is good. And um, the Sony brand has long been held in high regard by South Africans. So let's see where that goes. I also had now, before we wrap this show up, a couple of other little tidbits and some interesting um, technology that I saw. Um, I also saw a ton of Chinese phones, which totally and utterly rip off the iPhone 10, which were complete with notch. Some even maintain that they do a better notch than the notch that uh, uh, Apple have done on their phones and all at really reasonable prices. And again, you're looking at technology that is pretty mature. So they all run Android 8. They all have Large flat screens—they're all made of aluminium. They all have plenty memory, plenty storage. So, very very difficult. My only advice with regard to all these so-called no-name phones is that some of them are reasonably cheap, and if you're happy to get all those features without spending a lot of a lot of money, makes sense. But there is very little services support globally, and certainly in South Africa. So, unless you stick with the big Huawei's. Um, Samsung's Sony's, uh, Apple's of this world, you might find that a year down the road when the battery fails or the screen's broken, you can struggle a little to get service and support. But that being said, there's some really interesting, um, there's some really interesting product from all these guys, and it just shows you how much set the device. So lots of Samsung clones, lots of Apple clones, lots of manufacturers of various devices out there. Now, one of the coolest things that I saw, um, which I think may actually, well, it's definitely coming to South Africa, Ford were also demonstrating some of their new SYNC 3 capabilities, and I had a really interesting demonstration of the new SYNC 3 apps that are coming to SYNC 3. Now, SYNC 3 is their in-car entertainment and screen system, which is now available across the entire range of Ford uh, cars all the way from the entry level, all the way to the top. And um, if you have a SYNC 3-enabled Ford car, and uh, it will update what they've said, is they are going to allow you to update that through your home Wi-Fi in the nearish future. So you drive your car into your garage, connect your car to your Wi-Fi, and it will upload not only updates to the SYNC 3 system, but any other electronic systems, so engine management and things like that, which would be really, really, really cool. But what I saw, which is a lifesaver for me, my favorite, favorite navigation app is Waze. And for lots of reasons. One, the interface is really easy to use, makes a lot of sense. You don't have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to do. It also does the best uh, traffic management. It gets it wrong now and then, but generally 95% of the time, it gets you through traffic by taking you through back roads uh, far better than Apple Maps or even Google Maps. Google own ways, which is really interesting. But it, its routing ability, its rerouting ability is excellent. And what they uh, demonstrated to me, and it's coming next month to Sync 3 on the Fords, is actual ways. So if you have a phone, you plug it into your, your car. It'll automatically update your Sync 3 screen with all the latest apps. And if you open Waze, it looks like Waze. It works pretty much like Waze. It mutes your screen on your phone so you're not distracted and gives you full Waze uh, functionality on your screen in your Ford. And I think that's an excellent, excellent idea because expensive in-car navigation always seems to lag. And I've tried some of the best from the top-end Mercedes, top-end BMWs, all of them just seem to lag behind the sheer flexibility and ease of use of of the on-screen you know the the on smartphone uh, type navigation systems and why would you spend a ton of money on a fancy system for your car when you can just have ways on your smartphone? Obviously you need a connection to the internet but your smartphone pretty much is connected and in urban areas you very little very rarely have a problem. you do know and just by the by, That if you're leaving Johannesburg and you're going out into the bush or far out of town where you suspect you may have bad communication without, then again, if you're out in the bush, you won't have traffic. So on that note, I can see we've run out of time. Uh, More things to talk about. I'll try to catch up some of the cooler other stuff that I saw next week. Same place, same time, right here on FM. But really, a fascinating show, a great glimpse into the future of high-speed Uh, 5G, and even some fabulous functionality, 4G technology, and so many new things regarding what we're going to do with our smartphones, how industry is going to be using connectivity to change the way that they operate. It's just an unbelievably fascinating world that we live in. So this is Stephen Ambrose, going to brave the weather out there. It's a little bit rainy and a little bit freezing. Get back to the show. Uh, Stephen Ambrose right here on High FM from Barcelona. Till next week, same place, same time, except the place will be Johannesburg. But other than that, uh, enjoy your week going ahead and uh, stay connected. That's all I can say. This is Stephen Ambrose right here on High FM with Tech Talk.